This is Kevin. And this is Ron. And this episode of Your Valuable Home is brought to you by Provia. Provia, a faith-based company that makes entry doors, storm doors, patio doors, vinyl and wood-clad vinyl windows, vinyl siding, manufactured stone, and metal roofing, all of incomparable quality. Welcome to Your Valuable Home, the weekly podcast for listeners who believe that residential real estate is the way to build wealth. Hi, I'm Kevin Kennedy, a working contractor and host of Your Valuable Home. Your Valuable Home is for homeowners and investors alike who want to acquire and improve real estate based upon educated decisions. And I'm Ron Milk, Your Valuable Home producer and co-host. Our weekly one-hour podcast is not about doing it yourself. It's about hiring the right contractor to do the right job at the right price. And it's not about flipping. It's about buying and holding to build wealth. Homeowners and investors who strive to create wealth and financial freedom with real estate and avoid costly home improvement mistakes. Your valuable home is for you. The Project Replay made redoing our kitchen and bath trouble-free. Your horror stories have kept us from hiring the wrong contractors. The college segments have taught us how to keep toxins out of our home, what to look for in replacement windows, how to borrow sensibly against home equity, and more. College teaches investors like me how to freshen up my rentals without spending a fortune. Their suggestions are great for ROI. It's time for Your Valuable Home. All right, Kev, another show, another week, and we got a very, very interesting replay going on here. Yeah, remember a couple weeks ago we talked about so many social media ads that are placed out there for roofing. We're gonna generate more leads, we're gonna show you how to get roofs, we're gonna show you how to sell the roofs. Well, basically, what are they? to me, they're insurance scams. And what I started to do is do a little more investigating. As you know, people do get upset with me, but the problem is that my social media accounts are me, and people know me, that I can't start asking questions because they'll go very cold. So there was one of the social media feeds I, I responded to, and I got some information for him. And he was starting to say, well, who are you? And then he found out who I was. Then I said, listen, I'd like to talk to you further about the social media that you put out. because He wasn't very talkative after that, was Boy, and, but I offered. I said, listen, I, don't take just my opinion. Listen, I would take anybody to come on the show. Come on and let's talk about what you think, because their feed is basically saying, hey, by the way, you know, your roofing shingle is going to blow off with so many mile an hour winds, which it doesn't. We have 30, 50 mile an hour winds just around here. Roofs never blow off. I never had a roof blow off. So I started questioning him about that ad that he put out there to try to generate more leads or to sell more roofing for homeowners. Mm -hmm. And as further I get into it, offer him to come back on the show, he went cold. So we decided to go another route to try to get a little bit more information from him. But as a consumer, so we had Frank of New Pod City here. He's our podcast editor. Give him a call as a consumer and try to get as much information and see what homeowners are going through to understand when you're calling somebody, what kind of response you're going to get back as a consumer when you're trying to get a roofing estimate. Frank, I know you definitely gave him a call. <laughs> yeah, well, I called the guy up. He doesn't get back to me right away. I think I called him about three or four times. He finally calls me back. And he goes, yeah, wait, uh, how can I help you? I said, well, I have a roof here. It was damaged in a recent storm. And I'm, uh, you know, looking to get some help here. He starts, like, really talking to me in a very familiar way. But you're buddies. Like, like we're buddies. Like, we've known each other, like, 15 years. It's a little much. Like, it's like, dude, dude calm down. Like, we're, <laughs> we're not buddies. We're not friends, you know. So he's like, oh, so, uh, all right, so what are you looking to do? What are you looking to do? I'm like, I'm looking to fix the roof. So I wanted to know, like, you know, what do we do? Do you have, like, you know, I've been screwed before, so I would like to see your license because I don't want to get screwed again. And, oh, no, 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 don't worry about anything like that. I'm like, okay, can you send me your license? Well, before we get into that, I was like, he's already not giving me what I want. Which is public knowledge, by yeah. the way. Anybody consumer in Pennsylvania. Just look it up. Yeah. Yeah, but me, as a consumer, I don't know this stuff. Like, most people don't know they can look that up. And why would they? You know what I mean? They just, they just want their thing fixed. He says, well, is it single plywood or double plywood? 
I'm like, I think it's double plot. Yeah, I figured it was double. I have a feeling if I was going to say single, he would have said he would have you know, a feeling it was single. Cost more yeah, money. Exactly. He goes, well, I'll tell you what I could do. It's uh, a frame. Is it a flat roof? What is? What do, you, what do you got there? What are you working with? Already, I'm just, I'm over this. Girl. I'm like, you know what, Kevin, don't figure this out for yourself. I'm already <laughs> tired of this. So I press on. I'm actually in the car talking to him. My wife was driving. And he says to me, here's what I can do. Let me just give you a quote over the phone. He goes, we can actually pay for it right over the phone. I don't even have to see it. A roof job. He doesn't even have to see it. But he can take my credit card, no problem. And then that way, when I get there, you know, the money's already taken care of, and then I can just focus on the work. Uh Uh-huh. That's what he says to me. Smart thinking. That's exactly what he says to me. Uh, Well, listen, how about this? How about you come and look at it, all right? And then that way, I can focus on the fact that you saw the job, you know what has to be done, you do the work, and then I pay you. How's that? This is the way we do things. This is a lot easier this way. It's just a lot, you know, we get all that out of the way. And then that way, you can really just focus on the quality of the work. We execute it great, blah, 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 blah. And he gives me this whole line of crap about what he's going to do and how this is going to get done. Doesn't even want a picture of nothing. He just doesn't even need to see anything. I said, listen, what if I take a picture of the... No, no, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I said, I'll I tell you what I, what, I, what I do want before we go any further. I would like you to text me or email me just a copy of your license. I just need to see something. So he texts me his Commonwealth of Pennsylvania license, and it says that it expires January of 2025. Now, this guy said he was in business in 2007. Correct. So from 2007 to 2000, let's say 17, those last 10 years, what, what was happening during those years? Well, that's why I said. Based upon that number, when I looked it out, it yeah. was in 2017 when he first got... Got his license according right. to the state of Pennsylvania. Right. So what about those 10 years that he already said he's in business? Yeah, what were you, like apprenticing? What, what was what was happening? Well, here's the thing. In the state well, of Pennsylvania, what, I can't... Would he show you a history of licenses? Well, you just go on the attorney general's form and it'll tell you when he started the business. And you look at the number itself and it will tell you exactly when yeah, he had started the nothing, business. Nothing Did you do that up? in this case? Nobody's going to respond to me. I mean, they know no, where they, I'm going with yeah. this. Well, I asked him for... I said, can I pull any permits of some work that you've done on roofs? So I can just... As a consumer, a homeowner, I just want to be set at ease. I want to feel good about who I'm hiring. And these are the questions, unfortunately, since I've been screwed before, that I'm forced to ask contractors. So I want to know, is there any... Dude, listen, every job is different. Every job... No, he never said trust me. He said every job is different, so that's not going to help you, meaning me pulling permits. And I said, how is that not going to help me? (laughs) I'm going to know that you did this work, and then I'm going to know if these people are happy, because I'm going to go and take a look. No, no, no. Every job is different. You won't know what you're looking for. I said, I know what I'm looking for. Permits. (laughs) And he said, well, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I said, dude, as far as I'm concerned, we're already at the bridge. To which he replied? Silence. He's like, well, listen, call me back. Give me a call back. Let Let me send you this. Let me send you my license. And then we'll talk further. And then I was less. And he sent me the license and I never spoke to him again. He never called you back. Did no. you try to get him back? Oh, yeah. I tried to call him okay. back. I never spoke to him again. What about insurance? Did he say that, hey, I'll get a hold of your insurance company right away? No, he didn't mention insurance. Okay. What are you kidding? Well, yeah, it's storm damage. So the first thing they do is the roofers no. usually think it's yeah, that point. No, he, didn't even, shake down he did not company. even go there. Probably never even got to that point. He was ready to get my credit card number. That's all he wanted. He said, I'll give you a quote. We'll process it over the phone. And then that way, that, this is what I love. That way, when I get there, I can just concentrate on the work. Oh, well, yeah. what about the contract on what he's going to be doing? Step-by-step process. No, is that get rid of after you get to the- Step-by-step process. That was what, irre- what, are you on drugs? <laughs> that was irrelevant. That was irrelevant. <laughs> so you're imagining this is one. Now think about in the whole state of Pennsylvania or across the nation now. Yeah, this is why contractors hate you. Right, Because cool. you're exposing them. They don't want to be held accountable. Are you kidding? I'm surprised his tires on his truck haven't been slashed yet. Yeah. I keep a very low profile on who we are. Yeah. Mm. And I don't talk this way normally when I get outside. You sound like me. You should do an impression of me. He drives along disguised as Groucho Marx. I, let me tell you, I felt I actually felt dirty when I hung up the phone. I felt like soiled. I really did. I felt disgusting. 
I get about hmm, a couple thousand of them a month. It's like Bill Murray in the first Ghostbusters. He slimed me. That's how I felt. Yeah. I felt like, oh, that was gross. I've had to deal with a hole in the roof. My question is now that you feel, in a way, you felt slimed. Now think about every homeowner that has got to go through this Oh, process. that actually gets slimed. And actually gets ripped Somebody off. Yeah. Somebody's uh, got to get nailed by it. Listen, I didn't give this guy my number. I didn't, give, I, I didn't, I didn't have storm damage or, or roof. I mean, my roof is less than 10 years old. All I'm saying is, with how I felt just testing it out and just trying to get this guy on something, I felt like I was being ripped off. So the guy's been in business, allegedly, for almost 20 years. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Okay, so. sure, 20, 30, why not? 40 years, let's say. Well, because well, we talked about, about, about permits that he's got. That. Yeah, permits? Oh, no. So when people... No, every job is different. You don't need to see my permit. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't even know what that means. You get a permit. It almost sounds like it should make, that it makes sense that I'm an idiot. <laughs> He said it like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. That's true. I don't know. What do I know? Well, that's what's supposed to be the contractor is supposed to know. He's supposed to give as much information, be transparent as possible. So here's one of the things, I, and I love saying this to, to these new contractors that just got their license, and they said they've been in business for 30 years. And I said, well, listen, I, I got a great idea. Since we're local and I'm looking to get an estimate from you, can you give me a township that I can call with an address? Let me see that you applied for the permit back 30 years ago. It's there. It's already been on file. It hasn't right. changed. Because I, I, I tell people I can do that all the time. Oh, great. From, with this guy, I I doubt that you would find he was going to get that paper trail like that. But if anybody see, just turn on your Instagram, your Facebook, the social media ads are going ballistic, yeah. and I'm getting more and more saying, <laughs> "I can't believe this." Every other posting is about contractors and roofers and how to get more leads and how to basically what it is. It's underlining scam insurance companies to get the money for the roof. That's all this stuff is. That's all they're talking about. Social media is it's a great tool for it. But here's what you got to look at. Thinking about five, six years ago, there was, and again, she was great as Angie's List. She was phenomenal and she made a lot of money doing it. So now everybody's still jumping on board. Yeah. Still so if you have that respect now from coming in from where she was at, even though they merged and you got, I think it's just called Angie. I think it's now, but yeah, they, they she did yeah. great with it. Look, she made money on them. That fall forward it's that's what it is but everybody's now jumping on the bandwagon so my question is you can get those people i'm telling you not to but i'm saying do it just got to know what you're getting and everybody that you frank had spoke to and all the other people that i had to do it because i can't do it because nobody's going to call me back this is what they're going through nobody's holding accountable for number one in the state of pennsylvania you can't lie they cannot lie to you say now i've been in business 30 years and they just started three years ago because you can't you can do check that. it because you can check it so it's all there but the thing is is that how are they getting away with it that's the problem there's no policing here so this is what it, well, you guys fill a void. That's you. You fill a need that's desperately needed. That's why we, we do, do the show. When we leave here in the studio, we go in the underground. Well, you way know to get what? Out of you here. know what? My, my observation is this: construction is probably as an aggregate. You know, with terms of what you do, home improvements, in terms of what the big builders do, is probably one of the driving industries of the United States of America. It's not regulated. Mm. It's not regulated. Nothing. Even the big builders aren't regulated, right? Bizarre. No. Bizarre. I have one horror story coming up, and it was about a month ago. I got to tell you, these, the, I acted as a friend of the homeowner because they knew we were local when I was on radio back in Philly. So they said, oh, you're podcasting. I know you're local. Can you please help me come over? So I went over and looked at this job, and it was an absolute nightmare. The guy was, he wanted to fight me. And I, I just said I was a friend, but I'm, like, I'm telling him everything you're doing is wrong. This place is going to fall down. You never got permits. And he he's, wanted to fight you. He, right. He wanted to fight. He's like, give me the chest pump. Going, you want to go out? I'm like, no, I don't want to go out. it. I'm, I'm going to leave. I want to go home and have my sandwich. That's yeah. it. Oh, so, man. They, they mentioned the my phone name. quickly went from pick to vid <laughs> real fast. <laughs> but this was the perfect. She said, if I could have taken a video of the guy's face, because they mentioned the name, they somehow they got my name. And the one guy who was standing over in the corner happened to pull up on Facebook 
my name and started scrolling through it and saw that, oh boy, it's your valuable home. And it was right when the Tom Silva gave us the shout out for the oh, 100th episode. It was, oh, really? He, he heard that? His face just, the jaw dropped and she said, all right, we're leaving. And the guys just picked up and left. But I, I, you know, maybe maybe you had a bad case of phone breath. Listen, for twenty minutes the guy belittled me because I said, "Listen, I, I'm, I'm a handyman. Listen, I'm just a handyman." And then they were talking about cabinets and how it really should be done. He goes, "Who are you?" I'm like, "Well, listen, I just became assistant manager at Lowe's in the in the nice. cabinet department." And the guy said, listen, he's just still belittling me. Well, that's when I started just scraping a little bit more. And then I started hitting about fire stopping and the way the beam was done. And there's continuous pinning and live load and dead load. And the guy's just. Uh. Please, you're a handyman like Barishnikov is a dancer. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I went through. But, you know, you got to know who you're speaking to. So I always said to him, hey, listen, but if you tell the truth from the beginning, you never know what you had to lie about in the end because now you're going to get caught in that lie. Right, right. Yeah, you always do. So yeah. it, it was just, that's what I was upset with. Yeah. And it was just, and again, I was very nice. I was very quiet. Mm -hmm. But as he started belittling me a little bit more, a little yeah. bit more, telling right. me what I'm talking about, then I'm looking at the workmanship. Well, here's the fire stopping. What about this? What, and I'm going through it. And then I dropped the anvil on him. Then the guy wanted to fight me. So I said, listen, it's time for me to go. So he, I, I, I love out. that he wanted to fight you. He, I love that. I, it happens a lot. I hate to say it happens a lot, but I, listen, I'm not in there. I just want the homeowner to be taken care Has of. Has it ever right. happened? Happened? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did, what, you got into no, a fight? No, I never got in a fight. Oh, I, so I walk away. Happen. I don't I don't want, what, what do I need to do? Oh, so it didn't right. happen then? No, I never got into an argument. To yes. a brawl. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, that's the thing. Just be honest with everybody. And that's what we're trying to expose here is that when you're dealing with any contractor, if they're not going to be upfront with you in the beginning, they're not going to be transparent and just give you everything you need to know, do you really want to hire them? Because if you don't feel comfortable now, are you going to feel comfortable no when way. the job's done? No way, no way. Oh, there's a problem with the job, but yeah, that's what you signed for because you don't know how to read the contract or break down the estimates. That's what we're going to do here at the show. Okay. Hey, I have a quick question. You're going to be interviewing Chase from Maine Cabin Masters. That is correct. On the show, right? Yep. I'm going to hang around for that. Okay. Okay, Kev, we got tar story time, right? And you've got an unusual More. one. Never happened before, right? <laughs> oh, roofing, <laughs> roofing, roofing, yeah. Not a chance. Well, so in the replay, we talked about how uh, the social media ads and how we're calling roofers and we're finding out how much they like to play with things to get the job, no matter what it takes. They want the money. They're not going to give you the great job. But here's what I'm finding out more and more. that Because I, I, I like to talk to people and say, well, what was certain things like you talked to the roof and found out that it just didn't seem right? Well, here's the thing is that everybody that they talked to said when the roofer gets there at the house, the first thing that they want to talk about is the, the hail damage or the wind damage. These homeowners are talking to me saying, well, listen, we, we didn't have any of that damage. Well, no, 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 no. Listen, we had a storm in the we area. We didn't have any hail. But if you go on social media, we we did just in this area. If, everything's right here in, say, in the Philly area. We don't have these high winds. We have 50-mile-an-hour winds. The roof's not going to blow up in 50 miles an hour. It doesn't happen. If it's installed correctly, a roof will hold at 50 miles an hour. It's not much. But what they do is they say the high winds, and they're thinking about insurance at this point. If you had a roof done correctly, you're not having any wind damage at that point because it was stalled correctly right but what they're doing is they're showing up the job and saying listen you need a new roof it's about 10 years old let, let me call the insurance company for you because we're going to tell them that you have hail damage or wind damage so homeowners are asking me I'm like well that's insurance fraud what you do is you, you shut the door on the guy you don't want to be part of that but that's the common sure, theme people anymore take them up on it so for our listeners talk to your neighbors see that they had roofs done ask how many of them they got insurance money to do it and these aren't homes that are a lot older probably one percent zero that did it in themselves. Mm -hmm. Very rarely do you see that anymore because a lot mm -hmm. of people are like, well, they said we had damage. Things like plausible deniability. The roofer says you had it, but you're not sure and you just don't know. You let the roofer handle it. If the roofer wants to rip you off, he's going to say you got damage all the way up on top of the roof. Nobody's going to go up there. Correct. Look at that. It but blew it, off all your flashing. Nobody's going to go up there. 
Well, think about it. If the homeowner is getting a new roof out of this, why don't you think they're going to go for it? Because yeah. I, I like to talk to them. Of and course. I don't want to tell them who I am. I'm like, well, you know, that's really wrong what you're doing. Insurance is for accidental, not maintenance. You know, welcome to homeownership. Mm-hmm. So if you have a roof that's 25 years old, maybe it's time to replace it. And I like to get the insurance company, you know, I talked about get the insurance companies on to talk about why they're paying this out. If there's no damage or minimal damage that's there, uh, why are they giving all the money? I had a truck I just turned in. It was 18 and a half years old. It was starting to rust down finally. So I go to my insurance company and say, I need a new car. Can you just give me the money for a new car? Why don't they do that? They're just doing it on the homeowners. But what you look at is the the overall costs. Now, the costs are going to be rolled into people that don't do this. And people are like, well, how? I don't, I don't put claims in. I said, well, if you're in an area and you're having a lot of hail damage and wind damage, they're going to assess that zip code and raise everybody's prices because it's a replacement cost with the damage that's happening in that area. Right. I said, if you live down in Miami area, do you think your premium is going to be really cheap? If you're going to be on the coastal in Florida? Well, no. no. So you're paying more. Well, it's the same thing that's happening here. Well, think about it. These new companies, and they are new, by the way. Everyone that I went after and tried to just talk to, nobody calls me back because they say they've been in business for 30 years. Then I write back to them saying, well, I just see that you got your license about six months ago in the state of Pennsylvania. Were you in another state? Can I check townships where I can pull permits up that you applied mm-hmm. for 30 years ago to can I talk to township inspectors because I'm sure you know some of them being around so long nothing nobody gets back to me you're gonna start developing a complex I think my complex is there already <laughs> so I just want roofers to understand that listen people are on to you and if you're going to do a job you're going to get into this business stop ripping people off you're ripping insurance companies off you're ripping homeowners off and it really is a trickle effect down the line if you're going to sell it and you want to run a company do it the right way Sell on the merits of your great contractor, giving a great price for the, the right job at the right whatever, whatever you're doing, whether it's siding, roofing, windows, kitchens. But the problem is everybody's about, hmm, I'm going to be in business for about three years. Let me scam everybody as best I can, including the insurance companies, and then get out of business. And then there's no repercussions. Yeah. But that, the people that live in that area are going to get that because the insurance rates are going up. People trying to apply for that. I had this that didn't know that their insurance would go up because, listen, insurance companies, they're no dummies. They're not making billions of dollars by going, we're here to help everybody mm-hmm. out. It's for accidental. And look, and I understand that. But if you know, as a homeowner, that you do not have any damage, why would you want to put a claim in? Because you want to participate in the shakedown as well. Okay? There you go. Everybody, I mean, there are people who will do that. I'd make it right, but they'll do it. When people ask me, like, why don't you get the roofers on the show to talk about it? <laughs> There's nobody's. They're, no, they're, they're not coming no. on my show here. No, what are I, you kidding me? So that's the whole thing we talk about is just be honest and upfront with somebody. I pride it myself for thermos 34 years being in business now and trying to be as honest as I possibly can to be faithful with everybody. And it works. It really does work. So I tell people, listen, I say, if you're honest with people, you give them a fair job. You do what you say you're going to do. You know what? They're going to refer you. And you're going to be in business for a really long time. So why don't you do that? Well, you know what? We've got to compete against so many other people. So the only way to do it is say, we give you a free job. We'll call the insurance company. So that's the problem today. Here's the thing that all homeowners should understand. If a contractor comes in, and to be honest with you, and I say to everybody, listen, if you don't want to be do the job, I'm okay with that. There's plenty of work out there for me. I'd rather at least educate you to understand what you're going to be getting or to try to just sell you something. I want the educational part to be there because this way if you do want to get other estimates you can but if you don't know what you're getting into and you think you got a great price from the beginning it's nice and low and you're real happy with it then you get a bad job why are you complaining 
that's the question I always have mm -hmm. for people. Just stop complaining about it. You're paying for what you're getting because you made, you you made your bed, you got to lay in it. Uh, that's what we yep. saying that everywhere. But it's I'm just trying to help people out to say before you sign that contract, make sure you know what you're getting into because it's not great out here and it's a lot of scams and shakedowns that shouldn't be happening and the homeowners really shouldn't be involved into getting into this. If you know that your home did not have damage by any storm, do not try to collect on it. Welcome to home ownership. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we'll be back after we take a quick break. We've been telling our listeners about Provia entry doors and windows, but there's a lot more to Provia, right, Kev? Yeah, you bet. Provia is your one source for professional class entry doors, storm doors, patio doors, vinyl and wood clad vinyl windows, vinyl siding, manufactured stone, and incredible metal roofing. In fact, Provia makes all the product you need to create the perfect home exterior. They do it all the Provia way, the professional way. Hey, Kev, didn't you just use Provia siding and doors on your home? Yep, the look of my siding and doors have landed me a ton of work. Okay, so what sold you on Provia vinyl siding? The same that sells my customers. Provia Siding Reflex Heat protects against UV rays and solar heat buildup that ensures long-lasting color. Then there's a range of traditional, insulated, and decorative siding profiles, all with the look and feel of real wood. And a selection of now colors, including dark and bold hues. So, what's your take on Provia manufactured stone? The molds of Provia stone are created from natural stones, giving it a quarried stone look with a great range of shapes and sizes. Customers love them, and the 10 choices of color palettes, Provia stone goes with any environment. To see how Provia Siding and Stone combine to create the Provia Perfect Exterior with great curb appeal, visit Provia.com. Click on Designer Collections under the Design It tab. Hey, Kevin here, installing another Provia entry door. I do about 50 or more a year. Schlage knobs, hardware, and handle sets make a great complement to any Provia fiberglass or steel entry door. Provia and Schlage, I think, are the best combination of curb appeal, style, and security money can buy in entry doors. And Schlage now has a complete line of Wi-Fi locks, including the new Encode Plus, which can be locked or unlocked with the tap of an Apple Watch. Amazing. Provia and Schlage, there's no better combination for entry doors. Okay, Ron, it is time for a very interesting feature segment that we have. Well, it's a very special featured segment. Today, we're interviewing Chase Morrow of the big reality TV here at Sirius. It's Main Cabin Masters. Just about everybody watches it. Chase, welcome to your valuable home. What's the backstory of Main Cabin Masters? Hey, thanks for having me. Cabin Masters, we thought it would be something fun and interesting to try. And a mutual acquaintance, my daughter's friend's mother, knew the production company based out of Colorado and knew they wanted to do something with a carpentry crew in Maine. Knew us, knew we were a carpentry group and put us in touch. We had some Skype interviews, talked about it, and we honestly thought we would do one episode and just have fun stories to uh, tell friends and family. We never thought it would go any further than that. And we just got started working on season eight i believe all right yeah season Still eight surprises yeah, yeah. Us. you know what it's a simple equation of being at the right place at the right time and having being loaded with talent so it worked yeah. right you know like you said we thought we'd do one you know we were all doing carpentry together we'd occasionally you know do a couple cabins in a normal build season but we would take you know we we're carpenters take any work we get whether it was new construction additions decks you name it but now we're solely focused on cabins and you know, in Maine, there's no shortage of cabins all across the state. So we stay in the state. We love it here. We're all from this area. So it's worked out amazingly well. Yeah, Maine is a very, very cool state that a lot more people from the mid-Atlantic state sort of look at for, you know, instead of going like to South Carolina, North Carolina, go up to Maine. I have a couple of people in my development houses in Maine. Beautiful state. The Kennebec uh, Cabin Company came first then, right? You were doing this and then got catapulted to fame. The construction's named Kennebec Property Services. We were all working together 
Ryan, Jedi, Dixie, Justin, and I, and we're doing a timber frame hybrid place in Wayne. Started talking to the production company. I showed up on the job site one cold, cold February day. I'm like, hey, guys, you want to uh, be on TV? They were like, yeah, sure, whatever. And let us get back to work. We're freezing. So I was like, okay. <laughs> okay. So like I said, we did some Skype interviews. They must have loved the accent. And we did a pilot. Once we did the pilot, they're like, okay, one in a thousand pilots ever gets picked up. We're like, yep, that's cool. And so we did the pilot, got picked up for a season. They're like, you know, again, one in a thousand. Don't get your hopes up. We're like, we're not, we're good. Still surprises us and amazes us that we're still doing this. And, you know, we love it. And the fans are great. And we're going to keep having fun with it. The number of shows you do per season varies, doesn't it? Yes. So any typical build season up here, April to December is kind of the ideal situation. Occasionally we take some on in the wintertime. We've got a great crew of other contractors, carpenters working with us now. So, you know, we'll have anywhere from three to four projects going out of time. But I would say our first season, we did like 10 episodes. The most we ever did in one season was 20, which we realized was too many. So I think anywhere from 12 to 16 is kind of the ideal number. And they run them in consecutive weeks, I would imagine, right? Yeah. I think they start airing the episodes late fall. While the episodes are airing, we're still working on cabins. We've done over 120 cabins now for the show. Wow. I took a long look at your work, and some of it's really, really, really cool. You know, yeah, I mean, you start with the bones of whatever you're dealing with and then go from there, but some of them are really very cool. But And they're all small, too, right? Yeah, and I think we don't work with the largest budgets but we're working on camps and cabins. Most of them are seasonal. They're used maybe two, three seasons out of the year. They're in beautiful locations right on the water. You know, we get to work in great areas, you know, go swimming at the end of the day. But we are working on camps and cabins and we're truly saving these places. So we don't have large budgets and it's more just get the places useful and working again. You know, we want people to use these cabins and enjoy them and not have to worry about scuffing the floors up, stuff like that. You know, again, it's a it's a different type of beast, but we all enjoy doing it, and, yeah, we're having fun with it. Yeah, I got to tell you, Chase, Ryan had a dream. He I said, did? I've always wanted to work in a cabin in, in January in Maine. He said he always wanted to do it. You, would you be able to fulfill his dream? No, I, I could do that. I, I've got an interesting <laughs> question coming up for you. I'm taking it, based on everything I read, there are three main characters in the show. It's you. Your sister and her husband. Is that, am I right about that? Yeah, so it's family business. So it's my sister's a designer, my brother and I, and then two lifetime friends, Matt and Jared. That's kind of the main core. We've got a great team working with us now. There's a lot of subcontractors, our electrician, our plumber. It's still a whole team to make it happen, but we kind of, you know, we know what works and we work well together. So it keeps it fun. It sure looks that way. Who constitutes the majority of your viewers? Are they boomers? Are they millennial? Who are they? Do you know? Yeah, I know in the beginning it started out that it was older women because, we, you know, we started out on the DIY network, but it's grown. I've got four young children. I don't think we have that age locked down yet, <laughs> but we keep working on them. We keep working on them. I think what it is, is so many people have some connection to Maine, whether they used to go to summer camp here or they traveled here. Or they had a, you know, spent a summer, had a cabin here, camp here, something like that or just want to come up here. So we hear all the time people like, oh, it brings me back home when we see the show, we hear the accents. So I think that's kind of our 
viewership base. I think life is so complicated today. With all the technology, we have, I think we're over-technologized. And I think one of the appeals of your show, and Frank's looking at me like, are you crazy? One of the appeals <laughs> to your show is that people appreciate a simpler life and would like to have it for themselves. Would you agree with that? Who doesn't want a cabin on a lake in the woods? Like Maine in the summertime, it's beautiful. It's where you want to be. It's, you know, it's where we want to be. We all have a camp or friends or family who have a camp that definitely appeals to everybody. Some of these camps have been here a hundred years. There's thousands of carpenters doing exactly what we do. So it's not like it's anything new. Anybody can do it. These camps are built out of wood and we try and, you know, use all natural wood as much as possible and just kind of build on what's already existing. You know, again, we're a small piece of the long history of vacationing in the state. And, you know, again, we're working in beautiful locations all summer, so we love it. And we love the fact that we're able to kind of save these places for families who've had them for generations or families who are able to purchase a camp that's very new to them. But it's, you know, it's a super special place for them. So, you know, again, it's pretty humbling to be part of that process. A lot of memories. A lot of memories. I used to go up there with my parents when I was a kid. I, I'm sorry. I need to butt in a minute. I need to say something. What's that? You're talking about, oh, people want the simpler life. Who wouldn't want a cabin in the woods? And, and he's, oh, yeah, absolutely. And you're you saying, the same. well, wait, hang on a second. <laughs> and then you're, oh, yeah, oh, me too, me too. Meanwhile, you guys come up to my place in March and you do nothing but complain, complain, complain. So what are you even talking about? That's because you I think you're trying to impress Chase. No, that's because you, you weren't able to do anything about the weather on that weekend. Oh, why is that my fault? There's a simpler life. Go inside. Chase, Frank and I were put in the. Complain about the weather, the bugs? Yeah. The sleep you got that night, all right. Exactly. <laughs> Chase, I tell you what. Ryan was by the fire the whole time. What Frank and I were putting in the windows in the video that we did on YouTube, and they're loving it because they were sitting by the fire. It was raining. It was downpouring on me. Uh, our sponsor gave us these beautiful Cutterbuck shirts, and it, they were cotton, and they absorbed all that water. As you know, when it's fifty degrees out, it's soaking <laughs> raining out, and I'm standing out there, and I'm trying to do it on TV. My thing not chattering my teeth because it was that cold. And, and we're like, what, what's the problem? Like, that bad, guys, stop. And it's... I was cheering you on by the fire. Yeah, from the right, fire. cheering you on by the fire. <laughs> the roof. Hey, it's going to be pretty warm here. Oh, no, yeah. it can. I mean, it can get brutal up here in Maine in the, you know, off seasons. You know, sometimes we've done camps where by Thanksgiving there was six inches of ice on the lakes. And, you know, we're trying to get these camps done where there's no insulation in the walls. There's a wind whipping off the water. And I remember one we did where it was on an island and we had to chip the ice around the boat every morning to get out to it. It's brutal. Your fingers freeze up. You're wet. You're cold. But they say it makes for better TV. We try to avoid it as much as possible just for our own sanity. But, you know, we live in Maine for a reason and we put up with what it gives us. Well, let's see. <laughs> Frank, it was it was a rustic experience. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it reminded was wonderful. Me, reminded me of my army days, actually. <laughs> your your army wonderful days. Wonderful now. Yeah. He, it reminds me of his army days. He was sitting by the fire with my wife, and he was falling asleep, I might add. <laughs> yeah, Chase, I'm very temperature sensitive when it comes to that weather. Oh, God. Okay. See, when I think of Maine, I always think it, probably by September, October, it's really starting to cool off, and then by October, November, you're starting to get the ice build up, and that's, you see, with me being very temperature sensitive, that's the problem. I have in building is that I don't want to be outside anymore. Kevin's very genteel. <laughs> I am. I'm a primitive. Yeah, I mean, it's, the older we get, the less, you know, the less enjoyable. Oh, it tell is. me That's about it. it. Tell me about it. Tell so, me. Yeah. It's better to watch it, uh, you know, from the, the warmth of your TV on your, on your show. So I, I, 
<laughs> See how it goes from there. With but anytime in the summer, the we fire can come up. The fire run. You guys were kicking it on DIY in the first season. You were the hottest show on DIY, weren't you? Yeah. None of us had any goals of being on TV, anything like that. Like I said, the opportunity kind of presented itself. And we would be doing this work with or without a film crew around. You know, we're all in our late 30s, 40s. This is what we've known. This is what we've done. And I think that was the appeal of the show. It's us doing what we're doing. We weren't trying to put on an act, anything like that. It's the film crew showed up and, you know, they basically just captured how it happened. Season one, obviously, it was a little interesting learning how to deal with the production side of things. But they realized if they just stand back and let us do our thing, they'll get plenty of content. We're family. We're friends. We've been friends for lifelong. And we act. We interact with each other. And we have fun doing it. Yeah, it was a success. Season one, stuck around DIY Network for a few seasons. Then DIY slowly transitioned to the Magnolia Network. And so now we're part of the discussion. Discovery HBO team on the Magnolia Network. And, you know, it's great. We've kind of found a home now. So it seems to work really well. Everybody's kind of, you know, has the same values. So again, it works out well for us. It sounds like this merger into Magnolia is going to be good for you going forward, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think it gets us out to more audiences. Chip and Joanna Gaines are a household name, so it just helps more with exposure and getting more people to see the show. Absolutely. How do you come by the cabins that you renovate? So season one, when it first started out, we had to beg, plead, and borrow to let us renovate people's cabins. Like on the show, it truly is, you know, we meet with the camp owners, we talk to them. We come up with a realistic budget and then they hand us the keys and walk away. So there's a huge level of trust there. Trust that we're going to give them what they want and trust that they're going to be happy with what we do and that we're going to make sure that we maintain the character that they're looking for in the cabins. So, you know, season one, we had to beg and plead. Now we have an application on our website, mainedcabinmasters.com. People can apply to be on the show there. And then we kind of pre-screen them, go through that, all the submissions. It helps us be more efficient, kind of picking out what cabins, where we're going to choose. And we're able to get some pretty fun ones, some pretty unique and different ones. The earlier seasons, it all had to be renovations. Now, as we're getting further along, we're able to take on some community projects and also do some new builds, which the guys absolutely love. But, you know, we definitely stick to our core of renovation getting down into the dirt replacing rot jacking and leveling all the fun stuff the new builds are they small structures like cabins yeah they're still seasonal small cabins we just wrapped one up i think it was 20 by 28 you know we did framers finish it was near a ski slope so that we got a weather tight closed in so the family could come in and insulate and close it in at their own place after that one how many can be used during the winter time I guess it depends how hardy you are. <laughs> Most of them have some source of heat. Insulation, probably three quarters of them don't have any type of insulation. But get them weather tight. You put new windows to stop the drafts. Get a fire going in the wood stove. You can at least hold heat. Yeah, I'd say probably 75 are not year-round. And 25 of the ones we do are usable in the wintertime. What's the average cost of one of your renovations? And does the owner pay for the whole thing? Or do the sponsors help? about with that? How does it work? Yeah, so we work with pretty small budgets. That's probably the one question we get asked the most. How do we do what we do on such a small budget? Early on, you know, our budgets were in the twenty-five dollars to $35,000 was the sweet spot. Now with inflation, everything gone up, I think our sweet spot is probably in the 55000 
to $60,000 range. And the budget you see on the show is what the camp owner puts into the project. There's definitely an incentive to being on the show, you know, because we get the keys and the camp owners have to stay away. So there's got to be some sort of incentive and any savings we get, whether it's trade outs or product placement, that sort of thing, we pass on to the camp owners because it just helps with a better end product that everybody's going to be happy with. Will you work anywhere in Maine? Because you know, when you get up to the upper reaches of Maine, you're rubbing elbows with Canada, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Season one, the intro scene was like the greatest, you know, the furthest reaches of northern Maine. That is not necessarily true. We are all based out of the Augusta area, which is central Maine. We try to stay within a two to two and a half hour radius from there. Start traveling further, things just start getting less efficient. And we all have families and want to be, you know, enjoy summer as well. So if we can stick closer to home, the better. And we live in an area where there's plenty of lakes and ponds, rivers, ocean surrounding us. So, I mean, so far there doesn't seem to be a shortage of applications in this area. No, I don't think you will find a shortage of it. Do some of the owners rent after you fix up the places? Yep, absolutely. Having a place on the water, it takes maintenance and constant upkeep and taxes. You know, you're being taxed for waterfront property. It's not uncommon you know, we have family camps where we do it, where you rent them out part of this season to help pay your t- offset the cost by in paying your taxes. We have a couple on Airbnb on our website that are available for rent. It's all about protecting and saving these properties. And if funds need to be raised, there's many ways to do it for these people. If anybody sells, what has been the typical selling price? Pre-pandemic, it was very easy to find a fixer-upper cabin in Maine for under $100,000. They were all over, but after the pandemic, it's getting harder and harder to find those type of properties. For the most part, places were fixing up. You know, again, they've been in families for generations. They want to continue that, you know, whether they're getting older and want to preserve it for their kids, or they might find that they do have to sell it to find a camp on a waterfront. You know, you have to act quick. And yeah, I would say, I mean, you're in the two. $200,000 range now. Whereas, like I said, before the pandemic, you could find one for under a hundred, but you know, the further North you go, obviously you can find them, but logistically getting to those areas is more difficult. So Definitely. seems like the pandemic pushed up a lot of costs, like cars now. Mm-hmm. Cars are like, oh what, yeah, exactly. houses used yeah, to everything cost. Is. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Well, it's a nice profit. I mean, do you ever think about doing a special episode, say in Pennsylvania, <laughs> maybe down <laughs> in our area? <laughs> Nope, we're not leaving the state of Maine. <laughs> I don't blame Just it. throwing it out there. I don't yeah, no, because once we open that can of worms, it's like there's no going back. Even New Hampshire, people are like, it's right across the border. You can just sneak over here. We're like, sorry, we're called Maine Cab Masters. You know, we don't want to offend Massachusetts. It would be great to travel around the country, but right now, while things are going good, we're uh, sticking around the state. Well, make sure I'm first on the list when you. Uh, wait, wait a minute. If he's coming anyway, he's coming to my place first in Knoxville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just worked we just I'll, worked I'll have on to run it by my sister and brother in law first. <laughs> what were some of your most challenging projects and then which ones gave you the most satisfaction? Every camp we do, it means something different to each camp owner. You know, it could be a tent platform and they've just been tenting there their whole lives and they finally have saved enough money to put in a small structure that they can use as a family or it's something that's a cottage that's been in their family for generations and they don't want to see a lot of changes, but they're just unable to do the upkeep. I think the most rewarding for me personally are the ones where the more dilapidated, the more run down, the better 
better the renovation before and after. The dirtier, the messier to start with keeps it more interesting for me. I really like the frame finished where it stays a true summer camp where the studs are exposed. It's got basic trim, wood floors. You know, it's looking out over a beautiful body of water. Some of the more memorable ones. I know we did a clam shack down on the coast. Oh, that's cool. And it was originally built as a clam processing spot. It was right on a tidal stream. So these boats would come in, offload at high tide, and it was insulated with cork. And they would process it there. And then it sat vacant for I don't know how many years. Animals moved in, but it was unbelievable. It was right on the water at high tide. You could jump out of the window into the water. It stunk to high heaven because imagine all those clams and juices getting soaked into the cork and the animals living in there. I mean, it, it was a bad one. Yogi Bear needs a place to stay, doesn't he? <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> you must have to contend with animals, like big animals up in Maine, right? Like bear? Never run into bear, luckily. I think we uh, make enough noise where they want to stay away from us. It's more like the skunks and the porcupines and stuff like that. You know, luckily in Maine, we don't have anything poisonous. So crawling under a cabin doesn't really scare me. I think, you know, if we were down southern parts of this country, I would definitely be hesitant about crawling through leaves and stuff under a dark cabin. But Oh, yeah, coming face to face with a rattlesnake. No that way. would make your day. <laughs> Absolutely. No, no, not for us. So, yeah. So there are no snakes up there? I mean, there's snakes, but nothing venomous. And same thing, no spiders, anything like that. Talk to us about your podcast now. You guys have really got a lot of balls in the air at this point. The show started out, and it slowly gained traction, and we were just getting a lot of questions from people wanting more info, basically, because an hour-long show didn't really fill in all the gaps. So my brother-in-law and I, Ryan, we came up with the podcast, and my daughter, Maggie, who is now 16, is the producer. It's called From the Woodshed. We do it right in our headquarters in Manchester, Maine, and we just kind of talk about all things Maine, all things cabin, and all things Maine cabin related. We have fun with it, and now we've got a retail store a restaurant and bar right in Manchester. So it's the whole experience right there. Well, maybe Kevin and I can score a guest appearance on your podcast. To that point, we talk about a lot of subjects. We got one coming up with the Pew Charitable Trust, where they are spearheading an effort up and down the coast from North Carolina on into Florida to save a million acres of salt marsh. So we talk about stuff like that all the time. We're not just about home. We're yeah. about building community and adding value yeah. to community. So we could talk about some of those efforts that we've undertaken. Not to mention, shameless plug, Tom Silver from This Old House just endorsed the show. Nice. Come on up. We filmed the podcast starting in the fall. And like I said, we've got a restaurant and bar right there. So we have some food, some drinks, and yeah. Talk oh, you about got me going now with the bar area. Oh, <laughs> sold. Oh, you think it's Perfect. cold in Knoxville? How much cold do you think it is? Oh, fall. Yeah. He, fall to them is June or July. Is that right? That's your fall, isn't it? Ryan's favorite month is September. September, it's still warm during the days. Cold at night, the bugs are less, leaves are starting to turn. You can go swimming if you want to. So September's a good time to be up here. It's really a cool state. More people should really consider going north instead of going south. I mean, there's something. It's another option. Yeah, it's another option. Absolutely. What is next for Maine Cabin Masters and the construction business, Kennebec Cabin Company? Yes. Yeah, so we recently purchased a defunct lumberyard 
about 10, 15 minutes from our headquarters. So we are now in the process of kind of making that our new construction home base because before we were based out of my barn, Ryan's place, but we had stuff stored all over my mother's, my mother-in-law's. So we've got that going for us now. We're trying to get more into doing some longer term projects that get us through the winter off season, stuff like that. But we're still cranking on cabins. Like I said, season eight has started filming. We're doing 16 episodes this season. So we've got some pretty fun ones. One's an old geodesic dome. We're doing a few community projects. So we're still going on cabins. That is very, very cool. Kevin and I are an overnight success, nine years <laughs> in the making. We've been doing this a long time. We were Just in like the, the Beatles. Uh, like the Beatles. <laughs> it took them 17 I, years I, to be I, an overnight I, success. We were on Philly Talk Radio for uh, seven years, and then we got into podcasting two years ago. We hit some bumps along the way. COVID, all that stuff, I'm sure it affected you guys too. But we're still doing it, and we'll be doing it for another maybe 50, 60 years. How did people get in touch with Main Cabin Masters? MainCabinMasters.com. I think we've got links to episode guides, episodes. We've got online retail store, links to the restaurant, links to rental properties. Good place to start for your uh, main vacation. Or if you're planning on making Maine your uh, home. Hey, listen, it's been fascinating talking to you. Continued success with your show and hopefully success with the podcast going along with that. Uh, Saving old properties, and Frank and his wife are into that too, is a good thing to do. Why let it slip? Why not bring it back? Absolutely. If it still has life to it, keep on using it. Chase, great meeting you, man, and continued success. Well, thank you very much. And like I said, come up to Maine. Hey, Kev, great news on how our listeners can tap into their home equity without taking a loan, making monthly payments, or podcasts. Filing on debt. With Unison, they get up to 17.5% of their home's value to remodel, pay off debt, buy a vacation home, whatever. You have Unison, right? Yep, paid off medical debt. Unison's terms were perfect for me, especially zero monthly payments for up to 30 years. Zero monthly payments? How do they make money? When you sell your home, you pay them the original co-investment amount plus a percentage of the change in your home's value up to 30 years later. How do we learn more? Go to unison.com backslash YVH, which stands for Your Valuable Home. Again, that's unison.com backslash YVH. Additional terms and conditions apply. Visit unison.com backslash YVH for details. Remember the name Provia, your single source for professional class, entry doors, storm doors, patio doors, vinyl and wood-clad vinyl windows, vinyl siding, manufacturing, stone and metal roofing products made with latest technology and honest old world craftsmanship the Provia way that's this week's podcast your valuable home comes to you every week on the new pod city podcast network apple Podcasts, and all other popular podcast directories if you want us to share your home improvement project or horror story email me at kevin at your that's kevin at your and don't forget to tell your friends and family about Your Valuable Home, the weekly podcast that's all about building wealth in residential real estate and hiring the right contractor to do the right job at the right price. 